Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Pulse. Hope you all are doing very well tonight. Coming to you live from outskirts of Anderson. We all know who's downtown in Anderson. Anyway, welcome to the show tonight. Got some good stuff happening. And uh, glad you're all here with us. And yes, I spun a little favorite. A little old one. And uh, that was for you, Queen Eileen. <laughs> All right, let's get things rocking here. And uh, we'll uh, get some announcements out real quick. And uh, let's see here. 
So update on COVID today. Uh, we had 184 new cases, 26 of them in Fairbanks. Uh, for Denali Borough, we did have one new case, which brings our total to 66. That's a total of uh, four new cases for the last two weeks from January 14th to the 27th. And uh, so actually we're holding down pretty good. Also, uh, wanted to get the information out. Of course, uh, yesterday uh, we did have uh, COVID testing here in Anderson. Um, and just a reminder, that is every Wednesday here at the Anderson School in front of the library at the turnaround there. Uh, that is every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m. And that testing is free. And for anyone that suspects they may have uh, contracted or been in contact with someone who may have had COVID. So just a reminder, that is on Wednesdays here in Anderson from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. And that will be going on every week until further notice. Also, uh, they are doing the community testing up in Healy. As I've said before, Mondays from 9.30 to 12.30, Wednesdays from 4.30 to 6.30, and Thursdays on 9.30 to 12.30. And, of course, those are at the Tri-Valley Community Center. Also, they are still administering uh, the vaccines for our, uh, our fine folks that are 65 and older right now. And uh, you can set up appointments. You can call uh, 455-4567, extension 2000, and let them know that uh, the vaccination area you'd like to be in is Healy. You can also get an appointment online at COVIDVAX, C-O-V-I-D-V-A-X dot Alaska dot gov. And once again, that number again to give them a call to set up an appointment is 455 455- Four five six seven extension two thousand, and make sure that you let them know that uh, you want to get vaccinated in Ely. Otherwise, they will probably try and ship you up to Fairbanks. Alrighty, uh, just another plug out there for Clear Sky Lodge. Uh, of course, they are running winter hours right now. Um, Sunday through Wednesday is eleven a.m. to ten p.m. And Thursday through Saturday is 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. And a reminder that the grill is open from 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. Show our support out there for our local small business and uh, get some fine munchies while you're at it. Okay, also uh, we have uh, another announcement as of yesterday, the Pulse's patron page is up and working. And big shout out to that first person that uh, that jumped on yesterday and uh, set up something for um, donations here at the Pulse. And uh, that patron's page is up and working. Thank you. I appreciate it. We do appreciate the support here and keeping things rolling. All righty. It's that time again for our wonderful Andersonologist, Miss Karen Southwood with the weather. Hopefully she's ready to rock here. And we'll go ahead and get her online. 
All righty, Miss Karen, you're live and on the pulse, our official Andersonologist. <laughs> I'm always ready <laughs> for something. For something? Anything, pretty much. Anything? Let's yeah. go with it. All righty. Oh, this little cold snap that we had that's really um, making us look like wimps um, is because we've been spoiled all winter. <laughs> right? But, uh, man, it felt cold yesterday. I was just like, I'm just going back in. I'm just not even going to do this. Uh, <laughs> just uh, didn't have it in me. But today wasn't so bad, I guess. Currently minus seven. <laughs> yeah, now it is. <laughs> yeah, it was 27 <laughs> below yesterday morning. I was like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> we live in Alaska, for God's sake. Right? Yeah. I know. It's really, we've, we've, we, we turn into wimps. We, we, I have over my lifetime, when we were kids, as Eileen can attest to, it would be 60 below <laughs> uh, for weeks at a time on a regular basis, you know, two or three times a year. Right. And uh, he's just not like that anymore. And I've gotten wimpy. <laughs> <laughs> Happens. It does. Okay. So currently it's minus seven. Um, it's only going to get a little bit colder tonight. Minus eight tonight. It's going to be cloudy. Um, there's a 9% chance of snow. Which 9%? isn't much. <laughs> Man, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, stick your head out the window and look. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tomorrow's going to be the same. Oh, it's the same as today. It's going to be, they say a high of minus three tomorrow, and then tomorrow night minus 11 uh, overnight. And it looks like okay. it's going to stay cloudy, so um, probably won't get to see the auroras, which stinks. Right. They weren't they weren't too bad the other night after a neighborhood watch. Um, oh God, what night was that? Like Wednesday? No, Tuesday night. After Tuesday. Yeah, after the show, yeah, um, yeah, they were pretty good. It was the moon was bright, but they were still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I sat down on the river for a while. I got a notification last night, and I caught them for a few minutes last night, late last yeah. night. Yeah. They uh, snuck out in between the clouds. Yeah, did they? I like. I kind of yeah. like it when the clouds are in the in there because it gives it some uh, depth. Yeah. You know, definitely good contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, in photographs, anyway, not so much for the uh, naked eye, but I try always try to take pictures and try to you know get better at that and yeah. <laughs> oh okay so the record high for today 35 above i'd take one of those and right. uh, the record low is minus 58 Oof. sunrise today was at 9 50 and sunset at 4 30 4 31 actually uh and so we had a total uh six hours and 40 minutes Woohoo! look at us go i know and then so in six more minutes tomorrow so, Sweet. And the full moon, I believe, is either tonight or maybe it was last night. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's nice out there. Well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For us, it is. Right. We'll take it. I'll take right. it. Hey, you know, I, I was going to say, I was just online uh, looking, and uh, there is a whole bunch of jobs open at the Park Service at Denali. Um uh, they do a lot of seasonal hiring for locals, and it's good. It's it's good work. I worked there for many years myself. Um, uh -huh. I worked year round, but I also I started out as a seasonal, and uh, they've got multiple jobs open, and and uh, it looks like mostly in the ranger side, not so much on the uh, maintenance side, but interpreters. Um, yeah, interpreters. Yeah, interpreters. straight up park rangers. Um, you know, yeah. information techs and and whatnot. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. There's multiple openings, so. If anybody's looking, it's a good it's a That's good place time. to work. 
comes with benefits. Did you happen to you see know? a deadline of getting stuff in on there? Um, let me look back real quick. I was just looking at it. It was on Facebook on the Anderson page. Actually, if anybody wants to look, it's on the Anderson page. They've got okay. them all listed. Um, one second. My, my internet and my, or my computer, one or the other, has been very, very uh, uh, stubborn lately. Kind of icky. Yeah. So, yeah, there is um, – yeah, there's several several uh, applications until February 11th. Okay, there we so, go. February yeah, some 11th. Some even include some even include working out a toe flat, which is way cool. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good news. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, I hope you have a good show. I'll be listening in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we got Mr. Kevin Fraley coming on. I saw his picks earlier. Yeah, I love those drone picks. I know that is those so cool. I never even thought about having a drone underwater. That would be fun. Yeah, maybe you wouldn't crash as much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine you could lose them though. Yep. <laughs> yep. Tonight's show with Kevin Fraley, we're going to do the coho salmon. So yeah, that'd uh, be cool. pretty cool. And I may get another guest on a little later tonight. Um, if he can cut free, we may have one more on tonight. Oh, so. But I'm looking forward cool. to cooking with you guys tomorrow. So definitely, uh, really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, by the way, I did uh, uh, Miss Cabo. I went and picked up a pot yesterday, a uh, oh, big did. one from school. Yeah, and okay. uh, saw Miss Chantel and uh, and Principal Eric, and uh, got to spend some time with them. Oh, good. And, uh, we're gonna we'll be moving towards things. Uh, Eric has been really, really busy lately, and yeah, he's, actually going to school. <laughs> he's actually going to school as he's at school. Wow. He's doing and then he's having to deal with all these COVID restrictions and all that. Nightmare. On top of it, yes, yeah. because uh, he's been wanting to get on the air to start oh, giving us school okay. updates. Oh, that'd be way and, cool. I'd love that. Yes. yes I don't have any connections definitely. to the school anymore, so it's kind of cool to hear. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. really he's he's awesome. He is. Uh, I agree. Yes. I've seen his updates on the Anderson page, and those are great. Yes, so. he is a very caring person. Uh, we got to talk about the students and how things are going down there. And um, uh, I, of course, at the beginning of the school year, he got dropped into it pretty heavy coming in. You know, mm-hmm. first year here as principal, and going into the COVID run on top of it. So, right. but. Uh, School is doing well. Students are doing exceptionally well. Um, and that is the word that was resilient. used. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Exceptionally well. And the bounce back between uh, in-house and, of course, distance, um, uh, they're doing awesome at it. You know, but they keep very close contact. And, of course, our teachers and everyone, you know, that's one thing about a small community. It's family. It's tight, you know. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Eric is always, you know, if you need me, call me. You just call me anytime. Right. You know, but uh, he will be getting on the air. Uh, he yeah. he actually promised me, he says, don't worry, as soon as I get cleared out in the next week or two, you know, I'll be coming <laughs> on the air to give some school updates. So Good. pretty exciting about that. Yeah. Okay. Right. We'll have a great show. And right. uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Definitely. All and, right. Uh, Looking forward to it. Me too. All right. I gotta go Ms. soak beans. Karen, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Karen Southwood of the Hood. 
our <laughs> Andersonologist. Thank you very much for the weather report. And Anytime. we'll maybe see you on the show a little later tonight. Yeah, oh, yeah I'll I better, pay, better pay attention then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm going to try and do a project and listen at the same time. We'll see if Karen can multitask. Okay. Run okay. with it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thank you again, but... Karen. Appreciate it. All yeah. right. Bye-bye. All righty. That was Miss Karen Southwood, one of our uh, fine people here in downtown Anderson. Really appreciate her calling in. And she does our weather report. She, for those of first time listeners, I see quite a few of you out there tonight on the show. Uh, this is a small community show. We're in Alaska, just to let you know. And um, tonight uh, we have a special guest coming on our. Our fish guy that we call, he is uh, part of our community here. And tonight we'll be talking about the coho salmon. And uh, tonight is one of our fave nights when we have fish talk with uh, our uh, our Superman here. So, Kevin, I see you're on there. Whenever you're ready, go ahead and call in and let's get you on the air. And we will start some fish talk. All righty, let's see here. Good evening, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brad, how's it going? It is wonderful. It is a great day, great week so far. Um, the week's been a little topsy-turvy with everything going on out there right now, but it's starting to settle down. So absolutely, I wanted to it's start starting to get out a little colder too. <laughs> Did you notice that? Just a hair. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to shave your legs anymore, do you? <laughs> ah, gotcha. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Um, once again, everyone, uh, this is Kevin Fraley. He's uh, our our local fish guy, and he is part of our community. Kevin, uh, there are a bunch of new listeners on tonight, so I'm going to start out by letting you just uh, uh, tell us about yourself, and we'll get some uh few people familiar like i said there's quite a few new people on the show tonight so and if you want to just uh roll it on out there and then we can go ahead into fish talk on the coho salmon that sounds great yeah um so yeah my name is kevin and i work for the wildlife conservation society in fairbanks and i'm a, a trained fisheries ecologist um, but i'm tuning into the show because i just really enjoy going down to anderson and fishing and spending time in the outdoors there it's kind of a a cool small town, um, kind of like a small town, you know, small towns that I knew when I grew up um, where people are really friendly and uh, it's just a really nice area to be. So that's why I like to tune into the show and, and uh, people are, seem to be willing to listen to me talk about fish. So I keep calling in to blabber more about it. <laughs> I'm a little fishy about that, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was bad. All right, go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> cool. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I've actually got you tuned into the board just perfect right now. So Okay, cool. Uh, I'm watching the levels. You're not blowing our ears out or anything, so we're good to go. All right on. Well, yeah, so tonight uh, I think we're going to talk about coho salmon, which you guys have probably seen if you've wandered out onto the, the new Nana River out behind Anderson there, the bright red fish that show up in the fall. Um, and so hopefully, uh, you know, if, if you don't know too much about them, I can – offer some new facts and, and uh, also some fishing tips because they are a great fish to go after um, if you fly fish or spin fish. So, right. Definitely. So, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. and, and then I guess before I get into that too, I guess, uh, somebody asked if the if you crash a lot with underwater drone, and yes, you do. Although you know it's a little <laughs> more, um, well, a little less of a a blow, I guess, to the drone. It's a little more robust, and and of course you're probably hitting things a little slower, and a little right. and since it's in the water, it's a little more. Um, less of an impact. So I definitely am not the best pilot with the drone and I do run into things with it <laughs> <laughs> to be expected. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. So for the coho salmon, I'll just start by talking a little bit about the biology of the fish. And then, um, after that, get into some of the places you can find them in the area. Um, some of the fishing regulations for them and then how to fish for them, where to look for them. And then a few just stories and um, random facts and uh, happy to take questions at any time. Excuse me if anybody has anything. So, Okay. Well, that's All rock. Right. Cool. Also, I'll go ahead and jump into some of the biology. So um, for coho salmon, they're also known as silvers. It seems like in Alaska, each salmon species has at least two names, sometimes more. So um, coho are, are also known as silvers. They uh, spawn in freshwater rivers all the way from southeast Alaska to north to Point Lay, which is um, pretty much on the edge of the North Slope, kind of where western Alaska turns into the Arctic Slope up there. And so you can pretty much find them in any river and in the oceans um, along the entirety of Alaska, as long as the rivers are connected to the ocean. Um, that includes the Aleutians as well. They're, they are they do they are found on some of the North Slope rivers or along the coast up there, but they're pretty uncommon, and they haven't kind of um, colonized up there well because the juvenile coho salmon spend a few years in fresh water when they're little, and a lot of those rivers up there are not very hospitable to uh, fish in the winter. So there's only a few species that are able to kind of um, survive through the winter, and the coho are not yet yet one of them. But in the future, we might see. Um, you know, more salmon on the, the North slope kind of moving North as things warm up. So, oh, okay. um, so as coho, the coho are found also on the West coast of Canada and the West coast of the lower 48, all the way down through California. Although, you know, the, the populations of them aren't as strong as they are up in Alaska. You know, we kind of, we have it pretty good up here where most of our, um, salmon, uh, runs are pretty healthy, except maybe some of our King runs. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're there, and then also um, they're found in Russia and Japan and in Korea, and then they've been introduced to a fair few places. Um, they, they can be like in lakes as a landlocked form, or um, I think there's even a, like a, a sea run population in Chile, actually. So people have kind of put them in a few strange places because they are uh, a really good eating fish and a good sport fish, so people do value them. Um, there's a bunch of them, I guess, that have been introduced into the Great Lakes, and there's a pretty good fishery there. Right. But, and we know uh, they're yeah. resilient. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are very resilient. Weather. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so after hatching the in the freshwater, the juvenile salmon will kind of remain in their creeks or their lakes where they were um, born for one to three years. And then they will, after that, go swim out, um, you know, down the Yukon. If it's the, if it's the Anderson area and the Ninana, they'll swim down the Ninana all the way down the Yukon out to the coast. Um, and so, they're kind of unlike chum and pink salmon where once those chum and pink salmon emerge from the gravel as juveniles, they just go straight out to sea. So these coho are spending a couple of years in freshwater. So they need really good freshwater habitats with a lot of food and places, like I said, that don't get too cold or have ice that freezes all the way to the bottom, like on the North slope. So right. it's, so you don't see them, you know, in as many places as like the chum salmon or the, well, the pink salmon don't come this far in inland, but pinks are, um, you know, a little more, 
like they can kind of spawn anywhere because their juveniles will just go straight out to sea. It doesn't need to be a very good river. Um, whereas coho need a really nice like groundwater fed river that has a lot of food and stays open, um, you know, most of the year so that uh, those little juveniles can survive and make it big, make it so they're big. Um, the little salmon, they feed on like freshwater invertebrates. So the mayflies and stoneflies and little bugs that you would see in the water. And they even kind of cannibalize salmon eggs. Um, you know, if there's a, if there's uh, some adult salmon that are coming in, they'll pick off the eggs if their little mouths are big enough to, to eat those eggs. Um, and then these little salmon are, are actually food as well for grayling, pike, shefish, mergansers, otters, mink. So anywhere there's a coho salmon run, it also kind of boosts the, the food chain, not only from those, you know, those juveniles that are, are food for a lot of fish and, and, and uh, animals, but also the um, spawning adults when they kind of die and then their carcasses go into the ecosystem. That brings a lot of productivity as well. So, you know, anywhere you find salmon, they, they have a, quite an effect even on the terrestrial environment where they're spawning, which is pretty right. cool. Okay. So once, once those little guys um, have spent a couple of years in freshwater, they uh, do what's called smoltifying. So they become smolts, which means they're traveling down to the ocean. So they kind of get a little bigger, a little shinier, and then they're heading downstream. And then once they get to the ocean, they kind of stay in like near shore habitats that are more protected you know, fewer predators and, and lots more food and, and less currents and that sort of thing while they get um, a little bigger and then they'll, they'll start ranging out to sea and they don't go as far out into the ocean as sockeye or Chinook salmon, but they do go farther out than pink salmon that stay pretty close to the coast. And when they're out at sea, they like to feed on fishes and uh, squids and pretty much anything they can find. And while they're out there, they're also food for marine mammals um, like, like sea lions and then also salmon sharks and, of course, uh, fishermen that might pick them up. And they spend, um, they can spend from a half a year to one and a half years out of the ocean. So some of these, the little guys, are the, the ones we call jacks, when they come back into freshwater and they're spawning, they're small spawning salmon. They've only spent six months out at sea and then they come back, whereas the bigger um, coho have been out at sea for, you know, over a year. And that's right. and they get a little bigger. It's you know I guess it's different like ecological strategies between the two. If you're small, uh, you know you, you've you've spent less time out of, out in the ocean, so you're not as um, you're not as not as exposed to predators. You probably have a better chance of surviving to go back and spawn. But you're not as big, so you're not as competitive, and you you know don't have as much reproductive potential either. So it's a trade-off. And usually within a population, there's fish on either end of the spectrum, so that. It's called ecological bet hedging so that any given year, if there's some weird thing that's going on, like a lot of mortality out at sea or, or um, you know, bad conditions in fresh water, you get, you know, this range of, of variability in these fish that can kind of compensate for any changes. So right. it okay. kind of works cool in that way. Um, and so this, these coho like to spawn in like the clear groundwater or spring fed creeks, which you guys have quite a few of around Anderson there. Quite and yeah. yeah, yeah, really lovely streams, which you don't see too often in, in, in the interior here. Many of our streams are kind of stagnant or coming out of tundra or are silty, right? So the coho are pretty picky in, in uh, which, which streams that they do spawn in. So there's not that many um, in our area. But, um, so, yeah, they, they come in um, from August to November, depending on kind of how far they're swimming. Like, obviously, obviously the ones around um, Anderson, they're swimming a long ways, almost, I think, 800 they miles or something. So. Yeah, exactly. And they when so, they come in, they come in thick too. We got quite a yeah. few of them. I've noticed. Yeah, absolutely. You know? 
Okay. Yeah, and so and they're coming in. So those ones will come in later, right? Because they have they're swimming farther, so they're usually coming in later. Whereas fish that are closer, that have spawning grounds closer to the ocean on different rivers, usually get there sometimes in August. Um, but the ones around Anderson are a little later. They don't show up till like mid September, um, and then they can be around uh, into November even. Whereas like the ones down on the Susitna, for example, where they're only probably less than a hundred miles from the ocean. Some of the, the spawning populations, they get there in late August. Um, and then they're kind of gone by the time mid September rolls around. So mm-hmm. it depends on how far they're traveling and where they're going as to the kind of the timing for the runs. Um, and if you're fishing, of course, that's good to know because you basically, if you show up and the fish aren't there, you're obviously not going to have any luck. So you want to be able to know when they're coming in to kind of intercept them on their way. Right. Um, and so each of these salmon is laying about 2,000, 5,000 eggs, uh, depending on the size of the fish. And, um, you know, once those salmon kind of expire, the bears, the eagles, the ravens, otters, mink, grayling, pretty much anything that, that can uh, get a hold of these fish or their carcasses or their eggs um, will feed on them in, in the freshwater ecosystem. And um, yeah. the, those nutrients go into the ecosystem, kind of boost the whole thing. You get this kind of island of productivity along salmon streams, you know, in interior Alaska, there's not a lot of productivity because it's cold, short growing seasons, not a lot of nutrients in the soil. But when you got these salmon that are coming in, it can totally change the the terrestrial ecosystem around it too, which is pretty neat. Right. Um, And and so if you, they stand out so well. Yeah, they do. The the coho are just bright red. And so they look so out of place, you know, when you see them in here. Right. Um, so if you're interested in like fish ID, that can, it can get pretty tough to, um, look at or to, to tell between different salmon species. If you're like out in the ocean where they all are kind of silvery and they look the same, um, for the most part, but luckily when they get, um, like if you, if they get up to near Anderson area, they're going to be either red or kind of a dark silver and these, these coho, um, it's sometimes it's hard to tell between them and Chinook. Or, or pink salmon because all of those fish have the black spots along um, along the top of their their dorsal fin and their back. So um, what you can look at if you're worried about it might that it might be a king salmon, which is pretty unlikely because kings come in uh, much earlier than Chino- or than coho. But um, it's possible. But you look actually look at the gums of the fish, and for a coho um, they have white gums, whereas a chinook has black gums. And um, and then these coho would have black spl- spots along the, their back and then just the top of their tail fin. Whereas pink salmon have like much larger oval spots. Um, right. And so there's a little difference there, but where we are here in interior, we don't have to tell the difference too much because we can kind of tell from the timing and, and what we know shows up in these rivers that they're going to be coho salmon. So, wow. Okay. And so just some, uh, some trivia. So the, the state record um, coho salmon is 26 pounds and that was caught in 1976 in icy Strait, which is down in Southeast Alaska. So it was caught out in the saltwater which makes sense because um, when they're out in the salt water, that's when they're feeding heavily and they're probably their, their fattest. And then once they get into fresh waters, they start, you know, they're not feeding anymore. So they just start losing weight. Basically the longer they're in fresh water, the kind of the skinnier they get. And yeah. um, surprisingly, the world record coho, uh, the IGFA world record was from New York, 33 pounds. So it's one of these, I guess it's a great lakes um, coho salmon, which seems really crazy to me that the world record coho could be from New York. Um, <laughs> I was I was pretty blown away by that. And coho salmon. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I did not expect that. I was expecting everything to be 
like Canada or Alaska when I looked at it today, but pretty much all the, um, like the line class records are from Alaska and Canada for coho, but for whatever reason, there's some really, or there was some really fat coho salmon in New York at one point, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of mentioned like for some of the other fish we've talked about that fishing game does a trophy certificate you can get if you get a fish over a certain size. And for coho salmon, you can, if you catch one 20 pounds or bigger, you can get a, a trophy certificate. And that's a huge coho salmon. That's probably double the size of anything that would show up um, in the, the Yukon drainage. seems like they don't right. get as big. Um, so people do catch really large ones like that in, in Kodiak and then like Cordova. Those are the two places where the, the coho get really big for whatever reason. Um, and they don't do a trophy catch and release for salmon because they basically assume, you know, for the most part, if you're catching salmon, you're keeping them and they want to make sure people don't kind of hold on to them too long if they are actually releasing them. Right. So there's no, no catch and release certificate for them. Okay. So that's kind of what I've got about the, the biology. Um, and then I'll just move into kind of some places that we find them in our area and, and, the, and the surrounding areas, if that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, please do. Okay. And if folks didn't get a chance to take a look at the, the photos I threw up on the um, Pulse page as well, there's some pictures of coho, different habitats they're in, and kind of different stages of them, like some of the real silvery ones, and then some of the ones that are starting to look like zombies. So there's some right. good stuff on there. Walking dead fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually perfect because right around Halloween time is when they're in the rivers around you guys. So it's like a right. perfect science outreach um, kind of thing there where you can talk about like zombie fish, you know, because they're actually, they're all pretty much the swimming dead at that point. So at that point. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, so places to find them in our area, um, obviously for the Ninana river and your guys's um, streams there, they start showing up sometimes as early as like the beginning of September, but usually it's more mid September. Like I've had quite a few trips down there where I went too early and then there wasn't, wasn't any fish in the rivers yet. So, um, right. Usually I find like the second week of September, second weekend of September is when it's pretty reliable that there's at least some there and then they can be around till the end of October, sometimes even to November. And um, you know, they're, so where they're spawning in your guys' area is like just on the floodplain sometimes. Like if you just drive out uh, past Anderson out onto the Ninana river there, sometimes you'll find them just in the sloughs there. Right. And they're pretty easy to see. They're just bright red, you know? So that's one place to look. Um, there's other, uh, like clear water streams, which you guys probably know, I'm not going to name them cause I don't want to see a bunch of people on my streams that I fish, but, um, any, any, like clear water Creek that's coming up from the Nenana would potentially have them. And of course they're easy to, to see in there, those bright red fish. And they kind right. of, they don't really go any further upstream than Healy. It seems like, um, and they're, yeah, like I said, there's maybe like five or six streams between Nenana, the town and then Healy. Um, where you can catch them pretty reliably. So there's not a ton of places to go, but where they are, there's, you know, maybe a few hundred or, you know, a little less than a hundred in some of the, the runs. So they're not real large um, runs, right. but they're, so, you know, they're, but there's a few in there. Not, I mean, they're not large compared to like, um, you know, like the Delta Clearwater, which has a few right. thousand, I think. So, yeah. Our group yes. that hits here in, in uh, Anderson is pretty heavy. I mean, when they come in, they're they're pretty thick and they're easy to spot. And they're usually off the slow moving areas, of course, in the slough, you know, yeah. uh, just at the end here. And you know, generally, if you can cross there, if the water's low enough, you can cross over to the second slough, you know, area to where it splits off and get around down around where I call Amen Corner, so to speak. <laughs> is 
towards the north there you know it's usually where we have a ton of eagles hanging out and you'll catch the you know every once in a while bear coming through and everything else you know out there feeding on the salmon and uh they do they hang out pretty thick up here you know and it's uh really neat to see yeah you can see you know pods of i mean i've seen like a few schools of maybe 30 or 40 fish so there's definitely some big groups of them there yeah and you know um like I said, it was kind of counted spottily, but the times I was counting it, we would count usually a few hundred per, per streams. A couple of them had fewer than a hundred. I don't think we ever broke a thousand for any of the creeks, but when they're all yeah. put together, there's a good sizable, you know, kind of conglomerate of coho that show up in the, in the Nina drainage. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so some other places around the area, you know, not as close as, I mean, it's great cause you guys have just, it's in your backyard. Like you can stumble out um, just outside the, a town and, and you got your, your coho there. Whereas I'm driving, you know, an hour and a half or whatever it takes to get there if I'm going down. So it's pretty sweet yeah. that you guys have that in your backyard. Um, or I'm driving like two hours to get to the Delta Clearwater and, and Delta Junction, you know? So it's, it's really nice that you guys have that. And, um, yeah, so the, some other nearby coho runs. The Delta Clearwater is kind of the famous one, and that's also mid-September through mid-October. That run gets thousands of fish, but in the last couple of years, they have been closing it early just because they haven't been meeting the uh, what they call escapement goals to make sure that there's enough fish on the spawning beds that we get good returns in, in the next few years. Right. And I've talked about that, I think, you know, in one of my first shows with you guys where um, some of those Yukon, ri- um, Yukon River salmon species are kind of showing a decline, especially the, like the Chinook salmon have, have been kind of closed and open and closed and open over the last few years just because they're right on the edge of being what the numbers that we need to see to have a good, strong population. And that's, um, you know, there's less uh, data out there for the Coho and Chinook, but the Delta Clearwater is a very carefully counted river and they do, they have been seeing less there the last couple of years anyway. So who knows, yeah. you know, what's causing that, whether it's something that's happening in freshwater or saltwater, you know, there's, like I said, there's so many things that eat um, salmon at, at all stages of their life. And there's so many places yeah. they go. You just, it's hard to tell where the, any bottleneck might be, but right. You know, and maybe we talked a, about it, you know, on previous shows, how it was really light this year. You know, they were yeah. still here. They were they were really light, you know, as yeah. opposed to the year before. It was so thick you could walk across them. And, you know, they still made their presence and still made it up here. But as you talked about before, the ecology of it, you know, a lot of them probably got munched on or hit some silt beds that couldn't get through or, you know, and we talked about the beaver dams, you know, causing issues, uh, getting right. to their spawning grounds. There's a lot to that has to do with it. You know, and yeah, uh, it's for that. it's hard um, hard to say what's going on, and it's also hard to like design any sort of research or study to figure out what they do because it's pretty hard to follow them throughout their life and see what's going on. So, yeah, um, hopefully we'll find better ways to do that. But you know, kind of what we have at the moment is counting how many come back on the spawning grounds, and then kind of um, using data from like commercial fisheries out at sea to get an idea of what things are looking like on the ocean. But it's kind of a what they call a black box in, in scientific terms. Like you see the beginning and you see what's coming out of it, but you don't really know what's happening in the middle. And so that's the challenge. But yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So the Delta, oh, go ahead. I just said good info. Yeah. 
Um, so back to kind of some of the places we find them in the region. So uh, the Delta Clearwater, area, that's a very popular fishery on Delta Junction. Access points, so you see jet boats and shore anglers and uh, canoers that are fishing that. So that can be fun, but it can also be pretty busy and the fish kind of get um, wary there. So I, I'm, I might make like one trip there just because I don't want to, like if I, let's say I'm going with um, a few people that I don't really want to take them anywhere on the Nenana because they'll start blabbing about it. I'll take them to the Delta Clearwater because everybody knows about that. So. Right. right. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the reason I do go there. And, and, and also it's like nice access for boating for kids or whatever, you can, or just people that aren't as mobile. You can just load them into a boat and you're right on the, the fish there. Whereas other places you might have to walk a little farther or, or take a ATV ride or something. So, right. Um, okay. Yeah. And so Delta Clearwater is the big one. There's other, um, other Tanana, tributaries and kind of another Yukon tributaries too, kind of in the region that, that do have runs. So there's the Richardson Clearwater, the five mile Clearwater off the Tanana. Some, some of these little streams you can only really access with the, with a jet boat um, that do get the coho runs. I think even the Chattanooga river gets a little bit of run of them. And a lot of the, the creeks in the area are closed to salmon fishing, you know, at a certain point. So you can like fish for them low down in a river, but then, you know, maybe a few miles up, it might be closed to all salmon fishing, things like that. So um, there right. are, you know, definitely regulations that try to protect them when they're on their spawning grounds. And um, I'll get into more regulations next too. But um, also okay. for you guys, you know, down just not too far south of you, you have the, the Chalitna River and the Sitna River. It's not a horribly far drive. So that's also good coho fishing. And, and, that, and those um, streams, the tributaries down there, and that's like an earlier season, like I mentioned. So that's kind of August through mid-September when those coho are in there. Um, and there's larger runs in those rivers, you know, from like hundreds to thousands per tributary, which is kind of nice because then also, and also they're like fresher. So you might think about keeping a few of them, whereas the ones that show up in Anderson, um, unless you, like I've kept a few of them there, but most of them are pretty red by the time they get there and they don't look like they'd be very palatable. So Right, um, definitely. Yeah, so that's uh, like, you know, just south of Cantwell is where you start running into the Chalitna River streams. So there's potentially coho in any of those streams. And um, I'll talk about more about the regulations for those as well in a minute. Um, like I mentioned, the, the best fishing for coho is considered on Kodiak Island and around Cordova. And uh, that's where the fish get kind of the biggest and they're super abundant. Um, it's where many of like the, the line class records, um, world records are from is the, like the Carlock river on the, on Kodiak and which you have to take a boat ride or a plane ride to get there. So if you really want a trophy coho, that's the place to go Kodiak or Cordova. Um, and then, you know, other places that a lot of people go is, uh, Valdez or any of the, the, um, kind of ports along the, the Kenai peninsula, you can catch coho in saltwater which is nice because they're much more palatable and oftentimes there's um, like more liberal limits for keeping them. I know a lot of people here in Fairbanks like to go to Valdez and in, in the fall and then they'll either, you know, they'll throw some herring out uh, under a bobber to catch coho or they'll, they'll bring a boat or do a charter for, for coho at that time of the year. So yeah. if you want um, them to eat, that's the way to go. Okay. So that's, that's about it for the kind of their, where they're at in the area. And I'll move on to regulations unless there's any questions or, or anything. That anybody if anyone has any answer. questions, of course, you're welcome to put something in the chat box there. Um, if not, we'll have a, I usually open it up at the end of uh, Kevin's talk here and we can get some live action, uh, live action on some call-ins for questions also, <laughs> but you're welcome to throw something out there if you got anything. And, uh, we can just keep kind of moving along if you want, Kevin, and 
I'll catch something. Sounds if good. I catch something, I'll throw it out to you. All righty. Okay, great. Okay. So just going over some regulations, if you want to go fish for these coho. Um, so obviously, like I've kind of harped on the last few shows, you always want to check in the regulations for the specific, excuse me, stream or drainage that you're fishing because those regulation books can get pretty um, hard to interpret. So definitely study those well before you go because um, there could be closures, you know, hook size things, um, whether or not you can use bait certain sections of the creek might be closed and then there's specific bag limits for different fishes. So it can get pretty difficult to, um, to kind of keep track of that all. So I, I recommend keeping like a PDF of the regs on your phone or bring a, a paper copy with you or just leave it in your vehicle. That's what I do. Um, yeah. And then all, you all can always make sure you're, you're legal. Another thing to check is the, what they call the emergency orders, which um, a lot of people kind of forget to look at, but these can, you know, they basically supersede the regulations that are in the, the booklet you get, they're kind of like, um, I guess you call in-season changes to the regulations. So they might change a bag limit or a season um, kind of on the fly that you don't see in your regulations. So you need to check that emergency order website um, yeah. to see. So like, for example, if you just read the, the regulations booklet, it would tell you the Delta Clearwater was open for salmon um, all of last fall, when in reality, an emergency order closed it early last fall. So you could be out there fishing when you aren't supposed to, and then that would be bad. You'd get a big fine. So definitely check those emergency orders. I always do before I go out, um, especially for salmon, because that's, those are the ones that are most salmon are the ones that are most heavily managed because, you know, people are, they value them so much for food. Um, so on our Ninana uh, drainage here, it's pretty much, uh, so three fish, you can keep three coho per day. Um, you have to use a single hook, no, no bait, unless you have a, the three quarter, three quarter inch gap on your hook in the main okay. Tana river, any of the, like the Delta Clearwater river or any, or the China Chattanooga, any of those are going to have much different regulations about the, the hook size and use of bait and where you can fish for salmon. But if you're just fishing in a, in a Ninana slough, that's your, what you can keep, um, for the Susitna and Chalitna river. Um, it's for, for the Chalitna, you can keep three fish per day over 16 inches, or three coho per day. And then for the Susitna, it's two for most of the streams, uh, unless it's like one of the stock. They, you know, some, they do stock some coho salmon too. And unless it's a stock lake, then you can keep 10 per day. Um, and for that drainage, you're not allowed to remove salmon from the water unless you're harvesting it. And then uh, the regulations get really, really complex down there in the Susitna and Chalitna. They have it like broken up into zones and then you can only fish certain days. Certain creeks are closed from this section to this section. You know, it's very, yeah. very I've convoluted. So, that. Yeah. yeah get so, this, like reading stereo instructions. Yeah. It's, yeah, I've it's, seen that. it's pretty bad. Um, it's, you know, for your average angler, it's almost unintelligible, but yeah, definitely just study really hard. And, and then, um, you know, the place you're going to go. And if you have any questions, definitely call one of the fish and game offices and they will at least give you an opinion. Sometimes they don't even know. And it kind of boils down to what the game wardens, um, what the state troopers are, are um, enforcing. So sometimes I've, in certain cases, I've just, um, emailed a wildlife trooper and been like, Hey, if you saw this, what would you do? Like, what's, what's your interpretation of this? And then you at least have it in an email from them about um, what they expect of you. So hopefully right. it never, it doesn't go that far, but sometimes you just can't quite figure out what exactly the, the regulations are trying to tell you because they don't always um, explain things really well and you just need to get a second opinion on it. And so I, I recommend, um, yeah, calling some of those fish and game folks. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. So that's, that's pretty much it about the regulations. I'll jump into um, some fishing gear and how to go after these coho, which is probably more interesting for folks than some of the other stuff. Um, I'm sure I, I can see some listeners on here right now that are going to be interested to hear this. So including good. myself. All right, let's go into the gear. <laughs> okay. So um, if you guys have ever caught coho salmon, you know that they're really great fighters. Um, they jump, they make strong runs. Uh, they're they're one of the my favorite fish to fight um, just because of how dynamic they are. So that's a great reason to go after them. Uh, they're also really good eating. Uh, I think they're my favorite above um, king, which I think is a little bit too oily for me. And then sockeye, which I, I kind of don't like because it's really, really rich. So coho are actually my favorite um, salmon to eat. And yeah, so they... Most of them in the nano drainage aren't really suitable for table fare. Although like there's certain folks, I know the, the Russian population in Delta junction, they'll keep the salmon at any condition and eat them. So, I mean, you can eat them. I just don't think they're as quality as what we expect as, as Alaskans, you know, for fresh salmon. Um, I've kept, like I said, I've kept a few out of the nano streams, maybe only like three or four ever in all my years there that were like so bright that I was like, I got to keep this. It looks tasty. Um, and they were okay. They weren't nearly as good as something that was, you know, right near the, the salt water, but they were definitely palatable. Yeah. So if you do, if yeah. you do catch one, that's really, really silvery, um, definitely give it a try. And, you know, sometimes, I, I mean, people say smoking kind of helps a lot too, even if the fish isn't of that of great quality, but since those, um, Ninana river, uh, salmon runs aren't really big, I try not to harvest very many of them and just kind of, you know, catch a few for sport and, and then leave them be. But yeah, so if you're fishing for these guys, they're bright red, like, you know, usually. So they're they're often really easy to spot, although the really fresh silvery ones can be really hard to spot if they're kind of in a deep pool. Like once in a while when I was fishing near Anderson, you know, I saw a few red ones in a pool and I cast it in and, and hooked one that I didn't even see that was super um, silver and blend in. And uh, yeah. those are the ones that fight the best too because they've still got a lot of spunk to them and they've just arrived, you know. And so they'll do a lot of great jumps and, uh, you got to try to try your best to keep them out of the logs and the the sticks, which those, those creeks around Anderson have tons of um, roots and sticks. So it is a challenge there <laughs> unless you're out on the, unless you're out on the sloughs, then it's really nice because you've just got these wide open gravel kind of pools and stuff. Then there's not a whole lot they can wrap around, but those spring creeks around your guys's area there, they can definitely, it can definitely be a challenge. Um, yeah, so for the gear for these guys, you, you want like a stout spinning rod with probably eight plus pound test line. I would go 10, um, if you can. And, uh, for a fly rod, you'd want to go seven weight or larger, depending on the size of the fish and the place you're fishing and, and how close they are to saltwater. If you're fishing the Susitna drainage, um, I'd say, yeah, like a seven or eight weight for sure. Sometimes, um, in Ninana, we've only used like a five weight and that's been okay. Although once in a while you get a really supercharged one that really gives you a workout with a five yeah. weight. Um, so yeah, they're, they're really aggressive fish, which is another reason why they're a great, um, sport fish to go after. They, they're like out of the salmon. They're probably the ones that are most likely to hit almost anything. They're just very aggressive and territorial. And so for, um, spinning rods, you want to use like large spinners and spoons. Those are really effective and the fish will go way out of their way to hit those, um, they're usually very, very willing and enthusiastic to hit. And I found that uh, pink, red, and chartreuse are good colors, along with just a kind of a flashy silver for those spinners and spoons. Uh, the coho love those. Um, we've even, my, my buddy and I, he had like one of these like six inch long musky lures that floats on the, on the surface of the water. And we we're like, oh, we should try this for the, the coho down in Anderson. I wonder yeah. if they're aggressive enough to go after it. And of course they did. 
So it's pretty, it was pretty funny to see Coho chasing around a giant top water, um, top water. Swim bait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just like a big swim bait is like half the, as long as they are, you know, but still they'll, they'll go after it. Cause they're, they're territorial. Like I said, they're kind of striking out at anything that gets in their space. They're kind of pissed off. So, yeah. so yeah. Um, for, if you're fly fishing, I like to use large rabbit strip or bucktail streamers, um, you know, from like maybe three to six inches long. And if, if they have like a metal cone head or metal eyes on the front, those are really nice because that gives it a little bit of uh, sink. It'll get down easier. You don't have to put a bunch of the, like the lead weights on your line. And most right. of the time when you're fishing for these fish, you don't need much weight either because they're usually not in too deep of spots and they'll also go way out of their way to hit the fly. So you could even kind of dabble it at your feet and sometimes they'll come in from a long distance away to, to give it a strike. Um, so yeah, for, for flies, I'd say I really like uh, dark purple, black, and then pink the best. Uh, if I'm fishing those Ninana streams, especially black, they just love hitting those. Um, like if I'm out on the, the Ninana floodplain where there's a little bit of silt as well, they right. really can see the black in the, in the silt. So if it's just a little bit colored up, um, whereas like in the, the spring creeks, I might just go with a pink or purple because they, it's so clear they can see that well, but the black really shows up for them in the silt. So that's my recommendation there. Um, and they'll hit flies really readily too. It's, it's really fun. Like it's a great fish to go after for first time fishermen uh, or for kids or older folks because they're pretty accessible and they're really willing to bite and a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So places to look for them, like I mentioned earlier, it's pretty dependent on their run timing. So you don't want to be too early or in the wrong place for when they're starting to come in. Um, if you're in like the, the Anderson area, um, a lot of times it might be too early and you're not going to see any fish. You guys have it pretty good. Whereas you can, where you can just like go out for 10 minutes and see if they're there or not. Whereas I might drive an hour and a half from Fairbanks and then find that they're not there yet and, and kind of not, not waste my day, but I'll, I'll have a nice drive out of it, but I won't get in any fishing. So right. see, now you got to look for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is kind of fun to try to try to guess when they're showing up and stuff too. And, and if you do, get it like just on the very um, front edge of those fish. Those are the ones that are going to be really, really bright too. The ones that are first showing up. So okay. it's fun to, to try to push the, the boundary there and make sure that you can, you can get some really bright ones. Um, right. And then of course, if you're too late, the fish are, are gone. Um, if, you know, if you're pretty far away from the spawning grounds or they're just not in good shape for sport, they're on their, their spawning beds. And that's usually when you don't want to mess with them. Um, I'd say if they're kind of state, a lot of times they stage for days, sometimes in these pools or kind of near the spawning grounds, but there, you don't see them paired up and you don't see them digging in the sand and in the gravel. That means they're not spawning yet. And it's kind of, it's okay to go after them then for the most part, but if they're actually like engaging in spawning um, behavior and they're paired up on their, their reds is what their spawning beds are called. The big areas of gravel where they kind of, um, uh, you know, shave out of the bottom of the, of the streams, then I would say just leave them alone there. Right. Um, it's, it's best to find confluences. So like where a clear water stream goes into a silty river, like, you know, where one of your spring creeks is going into the Ninana, if you can access that, I might take a jet boat or a, you know, jet boat ride, but, or deep pools and lower stream reaches um, where they might be staging. And it's hard to predict where they, they like to kind of stage where, cause there can be like big groups of them in certain pools and you can never really tell where it is unless you just get out there and look around for them or talk to somebody who knows where a good spot is. And right. 
Um, yeah, they, so they, it can be tough to know which locations are good and it takes some exploration or secondhand knowledge. I, I really enjoy like exploring and kind of figuring things out my, for myself rather than just getting the, the easy knowledge or having somebody lead me there. So that's why I really like these Ninana streams because not too many people know about them. Um, and they're very easy to spot in there. Yeah, time. sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Like I was telling you a couple shows ago, I found a, a completely new uh, fishing stream this fall, just kind of looking around on Google Earth. And I was like, oh, this looks pretty nice here. Maybe I'll stop in and found you know a lot of fish that I'm sure nobody fishes. So it's it's a pretty cool drainage, a lot of hidden gems in the Niniana area. Cool. All um, right. Yeah, let's see what else do I have here. Oh, yeah, so make sure you keep them out of the woody debris. That can be really tough, right? Any of those log jams, beaver dams, um, roots, uh, overhanging trees. So if you have a heavier ri- uh, line or rod, that can be better to kind of muscle them away from the obstructions. Yeah. And then if you're fishing in salt water, um, most people like to cast from shore with like the large spoons or even put a herring under a bobber. And if you have a boat or you pay for a charter, you're probably going to be trolling. So moving along with a, like a weighted herring or a fly or a stream or, you know, something down deep where the, the fish are and trying to get a strike. So that's my tips for fishing. Um, and that's most of what I have. I was just, you know, going to bring up the, the beaver dam stuff again, like um, those, you know, those beaver ponds are great habitat for those um, juvenile salmon that spend two years or sometimes more in fresh water. Like, it's a nice calm place that usually it's not going to freeze to the bottom. There's food in there. But then again, on the, the negative side, sometimes those, those dams are just so um, formidable that the adult salmon can't get up through them, especially during years with low water or if the, the, run, or the run is coming in late when there's a lot of ice that encrusts the dam. That can really um, kind of put a damper on how far up those fish can get. And sometimes they don't um, access all the spawning habitat they can get. And I don't know, you know, how much that really affects like the, the juvenile production because um, juvenile salmon mortality is pretty high in any case. Like there's a lot of things that are eating them, other fish, mergansers, otters, like I said, and they're kind of sensitive little guys when they're small. So, you know, yeah. on your best year when salmon are, are, are accessing every single spawning um, bed that they can, uh, I don't know if that's going to be too much different in terms of how many juveniles are like out migrating to the ocean compared to a year where some of them get blocked by a, a dam because, you know, there's only a certain amount of resources in a stream. So if there's too many fish, they kind of die off anyway, down to the level where a, a stream can support them. So it's really hard. It would take kind of a, a nice little research study to see um, whether those beavers actually, the dams actually do have a negative effect if the, the adult salmon are being stopped, but it's, you know, something to think about anyway. So, okay. Well, yeah. great info. Yeah, awesome. well, I guess I should mention too. Uh, the Kenai River is another really popular place on the um, in Alaska where you can fish for them, and, and it's kind of a weird thing that goes on there. Like I've actually seen coho salmon uh, still spawning in February and November. Like we've gone down there fishing for rainbow trout right near Cooper Landing, and yeah. we've pulled out these zombie coho that are you know months and months beyond the time that you would expect them to be in the the river there. So they are they do some strange things. Some of the coho you might see them at strange times. You never know. Um, so that, yeah, just kind of in closing, they're a great fish to, to catch based, you know, just for food and for sport and just a really neat fish that obviously like in the Anderson area boosts those terrestrial ecosystems through the, what we call, a um, a cross ecosystem subsidy. So that's all those nutrients from the salmon that they're bringing in from the marine environment. And then when they die, it gets distributed throughout the terrestrial environment. So, right. 
All right. Well, that's some great info, Kevin. Um, what I'll do now is, uh, is I'll get the floor open here. See if we got any questions out there. Uh, you're welcome to ask some questions here. You can put them either in the uh, chat box there, or uh, we can have a caller. I'll open the lines up here and see if anyone has any info or anything they'd like to know. Looks like Susie threw out something. Kenai is fun to fish, but lots of people in combat fishing. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Seeing them lined up like crazy down there. That's one thing we got here is it's uh, pretty happy and secluded. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not my not my cup of tea doing the, the combat fishing. I'd much rather no. walk or hike a good ways to get away from that. But I will yeah. tell Susie, that's why I go to the Kenai in February and March. There's no competition. <laughs> there you go <laughs> and for those uh, it looks like we had about uh, 10 new people join the show uh, we're talking to Kevin Fraley tonight who is our fish biologist and uh, part of our community here and we've been talking about the coho salmon and uh, the ecology of them and a little bit of fishing for them and some good stuff here if we have any questions out there you're more than welcome to ask them right now uh, the floor is open. I've also got the app open for calls, and you're welcome to call in and ask a question or throw it there in the chat box. And let's see if anyone else throws anything. It's funny how, uh, of course, everyone gets afterthoughts of questions, and I usually ask <laughs> you, you know, afterward and uh, throw them out there on the air. Yeah, you got some great hidden places to fish. Yeah, so do we. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, on the Kenai. Okay. Well, we'll let you have that one. <laughs> yeah, good on you. I guess since you're a local down there, Susie, you would know, and that's nice to keep those close to the vest. No, oh, look at Eileen. Queen Eileen just took a shot at Susie. Aquariums don't count. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like I said, any questions, you're welcome to throw them out there right now. If not, we'll kind of wind this one down. Uh, one more shot here. See if anyone has any questions. Like I said, the app is open to call in. And, uh, of course, you're welcome to throw it in the chat box. Yeah, it looks like uh, you must have covered it pretty darn good tonight. Kevin? That's good. Yeah. Right. Well, they're, they're my favorite salmon, so I probably – you know, know more about them than any other fish, except maybe yeah. um, Chinook. So, well, I'm looking forward to fishing for them with you uh, this next yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a great yeah. time. It's just a fun time of year to be out there when when they're coming in because the it's the fall. The leaves are nice, are yellow and beautiful. The grouse are out, the salmon are out, the bears. You know, it's just a fun time of year to be out doing things. It is, and it's a lot of fun here in our little town to go sit out on the river and just watch the wildlife go after the salmon as well you know there's a lot of activity oh, yeah. that goes on pretty darn cool all righty for uh, all of those new people that joined once again this is kevin fraley and uh, we do fish talk here every now and then and uh he's a member of our our little community here and we're happy to have him kevin thank you once again for joining us here on the pulse and giving us some fine info on fish talk. And I uh, uh, think the next one's going to be out there. Everyone's been, uh, I've actually been asked a couple questions of maybe getting in depth into, uh, into some, you know, equipment 
maybe some you know different kinds of equipment uh, i know we've covered fly rods and this and that but maybe getting into some spinning rods you know maybe set up certain things for our slews here and for the nanana you know here that's close of course also we got the ponds here we got long pond and round pond which i'm going to be real excited to get you up here with the drone you know so we can see what's in there yeah and, uh, definitely in the the next couple weekends maybe not this one but the next one i'd be interested in coming down for a day and and uh, drilling some holes there and see what we can find that's definitely going to be awesome all righty kevin well thank you so much for joining the show tonight and uh, appreciate everything that you do for us here in the sport you give us here in anderson and for the show and our our fine people here and uh looking forward to having you on again and yeah uh, thank Thanks, Brett. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to come on, and I'm, I'm glad that some people are interested in it. And uh, uh, definitely you guys have a, an awesome town. Looking forward to, to meeting more of you this summer. So I'll talk to you again next time. All righty, Kevin. All right. Thank you very much, sir. And we will talk again real soon. We'll get moving Sounds on good. with the show. Thanks right, again, thanks, Kevin. Brett. All righty. All right, everyone. That was kevin fraley he is a really awesome guy uh, me and Susie have been had the pleasure to meet him and uh i've even run into him a few times up in fairbanks which is uh pretty cool so uh now that i got you guys on the line here also uh we got some great stuff happening this spring and summer um kevin has been uh really wonderful and we're going to uh do some fly fishing clinics and some fishing clinics uh both for the kids and the adults here this uh this summer really looking forward to that matter of fact uh, got a lot of feedback on that um especially for i think uh even more from the adults than from the kids uh but uh it's gonna be a good time definitely a good time i uh I do see a bunch of new people out here on the show that have come in late and really want to appreciate your support and joining our show and reminder just to follow us. If you want to kind of keep an eye on what we're doing here in our small little town of Anderson, this show has been put out there to, you know, kind of combine our community and uh, give some strength back to it. It gives us some um, time to talk about things that are going on, uh, both in Anderson and our surrounding communities. Um, we're a small town, very proud of it, and very proud of our people that come from here. I do see someone on the line here and that uh, is a possibility that uh, he may want to join us tonight. Uh, let me see here. I'm going to shoot a quick message over there real quick. Just give me one minute. And don't worry, it's not dead air. I'm actually here. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that I don't pull them out here. And because uh, we do got some interesting stuff going on. And uh, right now, especially this first part of the year, of course, we are in the third week of uh, January or going into our fourth week of uh, January of 2021. And 
thanking goodness 2020s in our rear view mirror although we did have some uh uh you know a lot of us did have some blessings happen to us over 2020 there's uh you know a lot that uh we can be thankful for right now too let's see here uh ah okay <laughs> well we'll have to catch you on the next one i just got a message in and uh he was going to uh, jump on, but we'll have to catch him on the next one. So a couple things I wanted to talk about tonight. Of course, uh, we did have, uh, we got some things going on. Of course, uh, this Saturday is going to be Anderson's, uh, we're, we're throwing out our, uh, our meal drive this weekend. Uh, of course, a lot of the volunteers are on the show tonight. Um, we will be start uh, start the cook on Friday and Saturday. We will be doing uh, meals here for the town of Anderson, and that's going to run from two to four. We do have an excellent list going right now. Of course, if you guys do have someone that you want to get on that list, uh, you're more than welcome to contact me here at the Pulse. Uh, I can throw that email up in the chat here so that you guys have it and of course you can always call me here at the pulse direct uh pulse number here direct is 360-207-0477 and i'm going to throw the email out in the chat box as well and i'll also throw out the uh, direct number here to the pulse let's see here i'll get that up there in the chat box here that way you guys have it so, yeah, as we've been ramping things up here in our community, of course, we've been, uh, we've been very blessed lately with the things that are happening. And of course, our community is coming together tighter and tighter, and, uh, you know, things are starting to happen, and uh, people are starting to notice. Um, I did, as I brought up the other night on Tuesday's show, I was contacted uh, – by one of our other communities in the area asking how our community watch program was going and that sort of thing. I did give them some hints as to how we kind of did it. Of course, uh, it wasn't as if, you know, one person did it. It came together, um, all of you. And it's really amazing what's going on right now. Uh, there's times where we're out doing the community watch and of course, there's times where you'll run to one to two other people out there doing the watch at the same time, just out cruising, checking things out. Um, wanted to give you some insight on, uh, on some things happening in the school right now. I did get an update yesterday. I happened to be at the school yesterday and uh, was talking to our, our principal and our fine administrative uh, uh, Miss Chantel over there and wanted to get this out on the air that even with uh, what we've been going through with COVID and uh, everything else, you know, the in school, out of school, you know, whether it's uh, in-class learning or even, you know, doing the distance learning, you know, over Zoom, that sort of thing. Um, the response I got is our, our students here in Anderson are very resilient and they have not let anything hold them down right now. So they are doing awesome. And of course, we've we got a lot of help here in town from, you know, of course, our, you know, Principal Eric, who's 
came in for the first year and of course was dropped right into a real lovely mess of uh, the COVID and having to adjust to new school, you know, new staff and uh, keeping things going. And they, the response I got yesterday was we're doing a wonderful job. The kids are doing a wonderful job. Um, Everything is great on that side. And, uh, you know, if you do happen to see anyone from our school here, you know, give them a shout out and a big thank you because they do work hard to make sure that our children are taken care of. They've got a lot of things they're bumping up against, you know, through this whole thing. Um, Of course, our teachers, everyone else has hit some bumps in the road, you know, bouncing back between this distance learning and, of course, you know, in school, um, keeping the schoolwork moving, you know, keeping the classes going. And, of course, you know, uh, it affects everyone, as I've said before. It affects our, of course, the, the bus drivers that bus, you know, that bus our kids around that come in and out of town you know, to everyone. So if it's one thing I can say tonight, uh, if you do see someone, you know, that that works at the school, give them a big shout out. They definitely deserve it right now, just as everyone does in the background that works here in Anderson to uh, make a, you know, make a solid effort for, you know, what is going on. Like I've said before, we got a lot of people in the background that run our little town of Anderson, and uh, sometimes they just don't see the recognition. So I want to make sure I get it out there. So we've been, uh, hey, <laughs> I see you've uh, hopped on, Jimmy. Good to see you. Haven't, uh, I saw you pop on on Tuesday night. Hope things are well for you down there in uh, South Texas, and uh, things are doing great down there. Um, let's see here. I just got another message here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Jimmy just threw out there. I tell you, it's a war zone out there in the schools trying to protect ourselves uh, from COVID while teaching. It definitely is. Um, it's rough. And I just caught another message here on the side. Let me throw that number out there again. I got to grab my glasses here. Uh, someone just asked to uh, get that number to for the vaccinations here in Healy. Okay, that number for Healy is, uh, for, uh, the number for to get your appointment is 455-4567. And that's extension 2000. And let them know that is for the vaccinations in Healy. And... Yes, you can also do it uh, online at COVIDVAX, that's C-O-V-I-D-V-A-X dot Alaska dot gov. I hope that answers your question for you. All righty. So other things that we got going right now, of course, uh, uh, along with the community meal drive, um, we're starting to pull some things together. Uh, that is going to make some big differences here in town. All right, here, other than we don't have any snow for uh, Miss Karen's challenge course, I'm waiting for that thing to get huge. I'm looking forward to it to be the size of Maze Runner. 
Yeah, definitely. Let's see here. I did get one more message here. Let me take a look at that real quick. I'm going to go ahead and pop this up. Uh, there it is. As soon as it loads, it's trying to load. Okay. Nope, that pretty much did it for that. All righty. So um, there's a lot of stirrings going on, of course, uh, with the changes that are coming out. Um, I did get an email earlier today. And uh, uh, once I get uh, a couple more people lined out for the show, we're going to get some questions answered about what's happening you know, out there in the world. Um, one thing that is great, uh, I've noticed on the news, and I'm not just talking local news, but uh, even in um, other areas of news in the lower 48, um, what is happening with uh, our vaccinations here, um, great news. The vaccinations have surpassed our cases here in Alaska, and that's due to good planning. Um, we've had some wonderful planners, our governor and, of course, our, you know, our uh, medical staff and everyone else has kind of streamlined things to where things are moving in the right direction and they're moving in the right direction pretty fast. Uh, there has been, you know, there's a lot of people to thank for that. Of course, our, our frontline workers, um, there was, some. yes, I was just going to message that, the someone just sent me another message here. You know, there was, uh, there's been a lot of talk of our, you know, of our, uh, our outline areas, um, our fly-in sites, uh, our outline villages, that sort of thing. And a lot of things have come up lately to how they've been getting the vaccinations there. And for those of you that are not here in Alaska, um, we do have some odd ways of getting things around. Uh, I know of three villages right now that came out in the, uh, uh, in the news the other day that vaccinations were delivered by dog sled. Our, we had uh, uh, mushers running uh, the vaccinations out to our you know, our small villages, our outlying villages, stuff's been, uh, of course, airdropped at times, um, you know, where they can fly in. But we still have a lot of them that are not, uh, you know, able to get fly in to. And uh, they've been receiving their vaccinations by dog sled and snowmobile. And um, it's quite different here. But the one thing I can say is for certain is they do all have the same goal and uh, that's trying to protect the best way that they can. Let's see here. All righty. Someone's shooting me another message here on the sidelines. Yes. Okay. So, yes, uh, to reiterate that again, the testing here in Anderson is on Wednesdays, uh, and they're every Wednesday here from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., and of course, that's here at the Anderson School in front of the library, and uh, it'll be going on for quite a while, and 
I don't see that ending anytime soon. And, you know, the great thing about it, of course, Denali Borough is not exactly the smallest borough in the world, but our case count has been uh, held pretty good. Um, the updates, of course, uh, you know, that I gave earlier, um, one new uh, one new case. Uh, total for Denali Borough has only has been 66 total cases. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of those could be in, you know, because they don't really decipher if uh, they were just visitors or how things are going. But, uh, yes, it is. Um, I'll bring that up right now. So as we've talked on earlier shows, uh, we kind of talked about, you know, our, you know, our, our summer visitors and the impact that it has, of course, on our communities and uh, what's going on. Things are moving forward, it looks like. Um, as uh, Karen brought up earlier on the show, um, Denali's hiring right now. There's a lot of positions open there. Um, I've already been told by a few people, of, uh, of course, at the boardwalk up there in Denali and McKinley, that, uh, you know, a lot of our our small, uh, you know, our, our hometown people will be open and shop again this summer. Um, they're going to push forward to the best that they can right now and uh, get economy working again. We rely on it a lot here in Alaska. And um, I know for certain that uh, things are going to definitely move in the right direction. Also, uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, um, the Anderson page and the Pulse page, uh, we've got a couple of our members, uh, especially Karen out there, uh, has been putting on some interesting stuff. <laughs> it's actually really good stuff on history of Anderson, newspaper clippings, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, if you haven't seen them, check them out because there's some really neat stuff going on. Uh, of course, we got uh, some things coming up. Uh, of course, June of 2022 is going to be the 60th anniversary of our town here in Anderson, which is, uh, I guarantee you, we'll put on quite a display for that one. We also got some things working. Uh, we plan on bringing back uh, the Anderson 4th of July parade and uh you know get some other things moving and uh bring things going again all righty if you guys have any questions right now you're welcome to throw it up in the chat box also i do have the pulse line open both on the app and uh on the direct number here and let's see here Yes, that will be Sunday, or uh, I'm sorry, Saturday, and we will be doing the meal drive at from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And if you do know anyone, we do have quite an extensive list, and uh, if you can think of anyone else that could uh, be part of that list, please contact me here at The Pulse. And yes, yeah, Susie, just a big 60th town birthday. Let's see here. Oh, wow. Sweet. Uh, I will get that on there. Matter of fact, if you want to come online and talk about it, and uh, you're more than welcome to, Miss Karen, and see how we can get the information out there. Uh, 
or am I putting you on the spot again? You're welcome to call in if you like. Spot. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to actually take a look at it right now. Let's see here. Well, I'll be darned. Okay. I'm actually going to take a look at the page right now. And I will share that here. Okay. So for our new page that we've come up with, uh, we came up on, with a name for our action group. And thank you, Miss Eileen, for that terminology. Uh, we have a new group for here in Anderson. And uh, the new Facebook page is called From Anderson with Love. And that's, of course, just to go along with the Pulse page and our Anderson page. But this one is going to be for our community of uh, getting things together, um, getting things out there of our, you know, um, our things that are happening in our community. And, of course, uh, certain functions that are happening. Let me take a look here. And what I'll do... And let's get this one here. All right. So uh, Miss Karen did put this together, which is a beautiful page, I might add. Okay. So the about page from Anderson with Love is uh, clearly going to be about uh, charity, community, friendships. Uh, we are a group of community members who want to help out our neighbors who may be struggling during the pandemic. We're going to make uh, food and deliveries and let's see here, to those in need on a reoccurring basis. We are also looking for more team members. If you know of someone in need in Anderson, you can send us a name through Messenger. Great job, Karen. That is awesome. That is really cool. So for any of you that uh, I'm sure she'll be sending uh, uh, invites out and uh, we'll be able to find that page and get some things going on it all righty here um i'm gonna go ahead and just open the the floor here let's see something just popped up uh, let's see here and that one did not come available someone just sent me a message on the side but it did not come through All righty. Okay, I'm going to uh, go ahead and, hey, that reminds me, um, for those that are, you are on that are, of course, part of the uh, From Anderson with Love, uh, is there anything that uh, we need to, uh, did we get everything together, that sort of thing? I'm pretty sure we did, but I just wanted to make sure. Also, I did drop off a, uh, one of the big cook pots today. Uh, it's at the kitchen and I will be bringing some other stuff over there as well. All right. Uh, okay. Good to go. That works for me. Okay. I'm going to give it one more shot here. I'm going to go ahead and open the floor up. Uh, if you'd like to call in, of course you can use the app or the direct line here. Um, Let's see, I just got another message here on the side. Uh, 
take a look at this. <laughs> yep, we're good to go. Definitely good to go. All right, if we got nothing else tonight, I'm going to wind this thing down a little early tonight. Well, it's actually not that early. Uh, we've been on the air for a little over an hour and a half tonight. I appreciate everyone that has joined tonight, and big shout-out to Mr. Kevin Fraley and, of course, uh, his lovely other half, Sarah, for letting him get involved with us, and uh, we appreciate everything that you guys do. So uh, it is Thursday. Next show is going to be Sunday at 6 p.m. Uh, we'll get that going, and, of course, we do have the get-together this weekend that uh, we'll be doing in the... Uh, background of getting our first uh, community uh, meal drive going and also look out for from Anderson with love I'm sure that uh, uh, it'll get uh, put out to you that uh, are um, part of this community and let's see here one more message that just came over I'm playing catch up you guys are a little slow tonight you're just kind of sending them uh, randomly here yep um i'm looking at it now yep nope that has us covered all right i'm just kind of babbling on now i'm a little wore out tonight uh just remember guys everyone out there uh, yes, it's Thursday. I was working. Folks are dragging. I'm one of them tonight. <laughs> I had a, had a long day. If it's one thing, just remember our community here, you know, show a lot of love and kindness out there. Um, always remember, you know, to give a smile when you can. You just never know what you're going to do to change uh, change that person's day, you know, or even life at that matter. We never know what... Uh, you know, battles people are fighting and just one good act of kindness could change it all. So with that being said, I appreciate everyone here on the show tonight and thank you for the engagement. And of course, thank you, Mr. Kevin Fraley again for joining us. A uh, reminder that the patrons page is up and working now. Uh, we just got our first uh, patron on uh, yesterday and big shout out to them for donating to the show here and keeping us up and rolling. All righty. I'm going to go ahead and let this thing slide out. I do got a little tune, a fun little tune on the way out. Once again, thank you all for being a member of the Pulse. And, of course, here in Anderson, I thank you all. Lots of love coming out to you. And with that, this is Denali Burrow Brett. I am signing off tonight. And have a great west, rest west of your week. Boy, I'm sounding real good tonight. I must be pooped. <laughs> Thank you all. Looking forward to everything that is coming out in the future. And have a great night. And whatever you do, just be happy. It's time to smile, people. Good night, all. Denali Burrow Brett signing off. Here's a tune for you. Enjoy, you guys.